Today's title, Beyond the Tower of Babylon, colon, the Fourth Industrial Revolution. We have had what they call three industrial revolutions. The revolution that is upon us is really more than an industrial revolution. It is more of a technological revolution, but for some it is going under that label. And so let's read what they say about the fourth industrial revolution. <clears throat> the fourth industrial revolution conceptualizes rapid change to technology, industries, and societal patterns and processes in the 21st century due to increasing interconnectivity and smart automation. Of course, a lot of this is made possible by artificial intelligence and the ability of these machines to talk to each other. This term has been used widely in scientific literature. A part of this phase of industrial change is the joining of technologies like artificial intelligence, gene editing, advanced robotics that blur the lines between the physical, digital, and biological worlds. The lines are being blurred between humans and machines in many of these technologies that they are experimenting with. This revolution has brought forth fundamental shifts in how the global production and supply network operates through ongoing automation of traditional manufacturing and industrial practices using smart, using modern smart technology, large-scale machine-to-machine communication, and the internet the integration results in increasing automation, improving communication, self-monitoring, and the use of smart machines that can analyze and diagnose issues without the need for human intervention. And so more and more human beings are being phased out and machines are coming in. And we will fill in some of the gaps of this. But first of all, let us go back to the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, if you will turn there. Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11, we see Nimrod leading a rebellion against God, and that rebellion basically was to counter what God had determined that the people should do with regard to their various inheritances upon the earth. God set the bounds and habitations of the nations, and he wanted them to go to their various inheritances. Nimrod knew that if they scattered abroad to the various inheritances, that he would not be able to govern them, to rule over them as an autocrat in a one moral kind of government in a one-world religious system. So they began to build this tower. Genesis 11, 1, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Now that barrier has been overcome today. Over 75% of the world's business is, connect, is conducted in English. 
and there are machines that can do almost immediately translation, and we have skilled translators who can provide the translation if necessary. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, and they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, slime they had for mortar. And they said, Go to let us build us a city and make a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. Of course, one of the great things that is taking place today, which we will touch on later, has to do with the exploration of the heavens. One scripture in the psalm says that God has reserved the earth for humankind. The heavens he has reserved to himself. You can look that scripture up. And let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Well, the scattering abroad upon the whole earth has taken place, but due to technology, people are able to communicate, to see live and in color, that which happens on the other side of the earth, so to speak. The earth is spherical, and because of satellites, they're able to communicate instantly. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built, and the Eternal said, Behold, the people is one, and they shall have one language, and this they began to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have made, which they have imagined to do. Nothing shall be restrained. What can the human mind possibly conceive of? The human mind can conceive of the most devious things that you can ever come up with. I guess the word, once again, is imagine. And some of it, and most of it, is leaves God out of the picture. Yeah, out of the picture. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there upon the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city, and the name of it is called Babel. That is the beginning of the Babylonian system. The Babylonian system has survived through the various centuries of time and is the enslaving system that now holds humankind hostage as it were. So we are aware of Genesis 11 and the Tower of Babel and Nimrod's attempt to rule the peoples of the world. God did not favor Nimrod's plan so he intervened as we have read and he stopped it. He confounded the languages and they went to their various inheritances. God knew that a unified world would lead to some kind of dictatorial system. And he wanted to teach ethnic groups to develop their talents and abilities. He divided the inheritance of the earth according to the sons of Jacob. There are some 70 different people, I believe, were involved in it. Of course... Jacob had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. He had white, he had black, and he had brown. All were his children. So he had an integrated family to begin with. 
Sometimes we don't think about that and we forget it. Now all the natural barriers that kept nations from uniting into a world government have been overcome through technology. The language barrier, as we mentioned, is no longer an issue. The natural boundaries have been overcome through a variety of technologies, uh, mainly satellites. And Daniel writes that at the end of this current evil age, knowledge shall be greatly increased. I don't think we, uh, let's turn to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. I don't think we even began to <coughs> realize how much knowledge has increased. I have had a wake-up call in the past two or three years with regard to how far behind I am with regard to what's going on in this world and have sought in the past two or three years to try to uh, catch up with it. Uh, my last really formal classes in the doctoral program was back in 2023, I mean, <laughs> 1973, and then we had uh, classes from SMU in theology in the early 1990s. And so about 25 years have elapsed. I've not had a formal class in anything other than what church-sponsored uh, events. And so the world has moved so drastically, even in the past two or three years. It's unbelievable. So when Daniel makes this statement in Daniel 12, I believe it's verse 4, in Daniel 12, verse 4, but you, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, the knowledge shall be increased. And we don't know, even begin to we don't really have a concept of how much knowledge has been increased and how much it is increasing every day. But how is this knowledge being used? Much of what is being planned for humanity will be under the label of freedom and equality, which we addressed in the last sermon, which was titled, Is God an Egalitarian? The fourth revolution is being driven by Silicon Valley to a large degree. Silicon Valley is that area from San Jose up to San Francisco where the high-tech companies are. And many of them are moving out of California. A lot of them have moved to Austin, Texas, and to Arizona and different places. You know, President Biden re recently visited Phoenix, Arizona, where they were breaking ground for a new chip factory. More about chips a little bit later. The fourth revolution is all time is sometimes being called effective altruism. Effective altruism. Now what is altruism? Altruism is the action of acting for the so-called benefit of others. Oh yeah, we're doing this for your benefit. It's really going to help you. Where the welfare of others is prioritized, leaving aside one's own interest. 
So you don't really have anything. You're just doing it because you love humanity so much. So uh, people come together in the World Economic Forum with Klaus Schlob and <laughs> Schlob is a good word. It's, it's a mispronunciation. Schaub and uh, George Soros and others to try to plan out how they're going to save the planet. So the welfare of others is prioritized, leaving aside one's own interests to make a it clear to understand it is caring about the welfare of others and acting to help them. So, so many of these programs. You know, back in graduate school when we were taking courses with regard to the troubles of humanity, this was in the late 60s and early 70s, oh, it's, the answer is more education. And the more money we poured into education, the worse things became. And so we have the world that we have today. And we have now come to a point to where the word, of course, is toleration, which we won't pursue at this point. The Bible teaches that we should have the same love, care, and concern for one another. And we're familiar with love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that is in the Bible, of course. However, as we shall see, the altruism being espoused now goes far beyond the Bible code. Far beyond the Bible code of what is ethical and morally in keeping with Scripture. In addition to altruism, there are many other labels and names associated with trying to make Everyone successful and equal through outside help. Perhaps you've heard of the big flap in Virginia where uh, college seniors who scored very high on SAT, they did not notify them of their scores because if you notified them and publicized them, it would make others feel inferior. So... And there, uh, there are even lawsuits and being a, a lot of discussion about it by high-up officials in Virginia, and, I, uh, and it may even go all the way to the Supreme Court. I don't know. It's, it's ridiculous what is happening. So this altruism comes under many labels and names associated with trying to make everyone successful and equal through outside help. And there, the United States has lagged far behind now in test scores. The reading level of elementary students in the U.S. is way behind most other countries. And people are graduating from, from high school who are essentially illiterate. Now, one of the goals, of course, is this egalitarianism, and both political parties are involved in it, Democrat and Republican, more Democrat, I guess, than Republican. 
Some elements of government in the world are trying to legislate and enforce altruism. You will do this or you will be pariah. Our granddaughter from California, she works in a beauty salon in the Southern California area in Pasadena, California, suburb of Los Angeles. When it came time for the shots, she really didn't want the shots, but because of the pressure that was put up on her, she had the shots. Because don't you care for your fellow workers? Don't you care for your family? Don't you care? And so on it goes. She's had COVID three times since then. Some elements of the government of the world are trying to legislate and enforce altruism. It is really now the, the watchword, the woke movement. And Satan is in league with many of the objectives of the fourth revolution. Satan presents himself as an angel of light who promises liberty. Let's notice this in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17. 2 Peter 2, verse 17. 2 Peter 2, verse These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they all allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them that live in error. While they promise them liberty, oh yes, we're going to liberate you. We're going to guarantee everything that you ever dreamed of. They themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, the same is brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled and overcome the latter end, is worse with them than the beginning. How many people have we known in this area over the past, for some, 60 years or 70? For me, it's in the 50s, off and on here. Of people that we have known who are no longer in fellowship with the Church of God of any kind. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness that after they have known it to turn away from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog has returned to his own vomit again in the sow that was washed to the wallowing in the mire. How sad that it is. Now let's ask the question, what is Satan's 
number one strategy for achieving his objective. Oh, yes, Satan is the god of this world. Satan is behind the godly secular society. There's no question about it. Satan and his demons are behind it. And they are pushing people onward, those who are willing pawns in their hands, many of them unknowingly so. So what is Satan's number one achieve, uh, strategy for achieving his goals? It is through subtly, subtlety and deceit. Notice Genesis 3, verse 1. Genesis 3, verse 1. How many times have we read Genesis 3, verse 1 in the church of God? I bet it's in thousands of times. Now the serpent, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Yes, God says. It is through subtlety. It is through deceit. It is through shading the truth. So it is through subtlety and deceit that he deceives. The deception that is coming upon the world will be so convincing that only the very elect will be delivered. The rest of the world will be deceived. We note that in Matthew 24 and verse 24. In the famous Olivet Prophecy in Matthew 24 and verse 24, it very clearly says the following, Matthew 24, 44. Matthew 24, 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, shall so show great signs and wonders in us much that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. The very elect. Are you among the very elect? Am I among the very elect? Those who are not among them, it says, if it were possible. Of course, the possibility, the impossibility of them being deceived will be through trusting in God, as we shall see. So what is one of the greatest motivating forces in every human being? You know, if you study psychology, they will talk about what are the basic needs of human beings? What, what are the things that motivate human beings? And one of the great needs of human beings is self-preservation. Satan will use fear of loss of life to deceive many. He will use peer pressure. He will use any tactic at his disposal, and he has a full armor. People will do almost anything to preserve themselves and those who are near and near to them. The recent pandemic bears stark witness to this fact. What I just said about my granddaughter, the pressure that was put on her at the workplace <clears throat> to get vaccinated. She felt as if she had no choice. 
In the name of protecting themselves and others, people rushed to get injected with a vaccine that was labeled experimental. Now it seems that many illnesses and deaths are linked to the vaccine. And no, I'm not saying you shouldn't be vac vaccinated. That's up to you. That is a personal choice between you and God. We cannot legislate from a pulpit what you can do, but these, but I want to deal in facts, and that is one of the facts. There is a new category for some deaths that is labeled sudden death syndrome. A lot of young people are dropping dead with sudden cardiac arrest. One of the most notable in recent times in which she is being revered as if she were a goddess would be Presley, Elvis's daughter. At the age of 54, sudden cardiac arrest. Of course, who knows the total story there. People have been driven to believe that biometrics will save them. So let's turn to Revelation 18.23. I think you're going to see something very eye-opening here. We bring it to what it's really saying. Revelation 18.23. And the light of the candle shall shine no more at all in you. Talking about Babylon. God is getting ready to destroy them. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in you. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorceries were all nations deceived. I didn't write it. That's what it says. By your sorceries. Pharmakia. Pharmakia is the word. Now, The reference to pharmacia is not talking just about drugs like heroin, marijuana, fentanyl, etc. Although they are taking many lives, especially fentanyl. But there's not much deception in those drugs. The public is constantly warned of the danger of taking them. The pharmacia of Revelation 18.23 is something far beyond street uh, drugs. Fentanyl is now being manufactured and coming into the U.S. through the open-door policies. It is being secretly put into common drugs, and people take them and die. Teenagers have ordered online various drugs and thinking they were getting the real thing and it was laced with fentanyl and upon taking it, they died. I've often wondered how the world will be deceived by pharmakia. The Bible says, by your sorceries were all nations deceived. 
To be delivered, to be deceived, rather, to be deceived by sorcery, it's not limited to being deceived by drugs. Remember that Pharaoh's sorcerers were able to change their rods into serpents. So let's look at Genesis 7 and verse 9. I got Genesis, but it's Exodus. In Exodus 7 and verse 9, Exodus 7, verse 9, Moses there with Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked for a miracle. Exodus 7, verse 9. When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle, show a miracle for you, then you shall say unto Aaron, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. So God said to Moses, Tell Aaron to do this, and it'll become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called for the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with the enchantments. So they were thoroughly schooled in witchcraft and black magic. For they cast down every man his rod and they became serpents. But Aaron's, Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. <laughs> so God, of course, he is supreme. And even though the sorcerers were able to cast forth their rods and they became serpents, the rod of Aaron swallowed them up. A supernatural event. Supernatural means a manifestation or event attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. It's just not normal for that to happen. And one of the main ways that the beast power and the false prophet will deceive the world is through miracles that are supernatural. Now in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 19, and I like to go here because it seems to be a prophecy that we have looked over from time to time concerning Alexander's empire. Daniel saw this vision of the he-goat pushing eastward and the, the two rams, the two horns pushing westward. One was Alexander and the Grecian empire and one was the Persian empire. And then, of course, Daniel wanted to understand the prophecy, and the angel came and gave it to him. So we'll begin at verse 19. You can read up to the 19 later. 
And he said, Behold, I will make you to know what shall be in the end of the indignation. Now, this word end means it's gets QE, the best I remember, QETS in Hebrew or Chaldean. I think this is Chaldean or ancient Aramaic. In the last end, the very end of the indignation, for at the time appointed, the end shall be. I don't know, several months ago, maybe a year or two, I gave a sermon titled, The Appointed Time. And there is appointed time for all things. The ram which you saw having two horns are the kings of Media and Persia, the rough goat is the king of Grecia, and the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king, Alexander the Great. Now that being broken, Alexander died, did not have a, a successor or a son or daughter to succeed him, whereas four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up of the nation, but not in his power. And so the, Alexander's empire was divided into four divisions among his four top generals. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full. Now we see the world today, and we think, how much longer can this go on? Haven't the transgressors come to the full? And perhaps we haven't seen anything yet as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. So shall it be at the end of the age. That's in the New Testament. A king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully. Now this destroy means to corrupt mightily. Instead of wonderfully, the King James translators took a vacation there. And shall prosper and practice and shall corrupt the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy also, he shall cause craft. Craft, what is craft? Well, it's sorcery. It is witchcraft. To prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart. And by peace, of course, Paul talks about second, in 1 Thessalonians 5, about when they say, peace, peace, sudden destruction comes on them. And by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes. But he shall be broken without hand. And the vision of the evening and the morning which was told is true. Wherefore shut you up the vision for it shall be for many days. And I, Daniel, fainted. I was sick certain days afterward. I rose up and did the king's business. And I was astonished at the vision. But none understood it. 
So we see very clearly here that craft, sorcery, is involved in the end time in a way perhaps that we haven't ever even realized or thought about, or perhaps you have. Let's go to Revelation 13. In Revelation 13, you know, we read Matthew 24, 24, which says, if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. Now we're going to Revelation 13, and we're going to go to verse 8. <clears throat> and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, the beast's power, whose names are written in the book of life of the Lamb, whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If your name is not in the book of the life of the Lamb, you're going to worship that power. That's what the Bible says. Now we go to verse 15. He had power to give life into the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So you're not going to have a choice. It's not going to be a democracy. Far from being a democracy. And he caused all both, small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name, which the last verse says is 666. So much of what is being planned will be under the guise also of health care. And they are trying to keep the pandemic alive at the present time. But even the news sources are reporting fewer deaths in the U.S. from COVID in the past uh, few weeks than in earlier times. They're planning an app that is called the Everything App. The Everything App. The Everything App might be administered through a vaccine which will contain all of your personal data. This app will allow healthcare personnel to access your entire medical history through which they will be able to determine what treatment will be best for you? The Everything app. Beware of the Everything app. There are so many apps out there now that I can't possibly keep up with them. I tried to avoid most of the apps. Another thing that is looming on the horizon is, horizon is transhumanism. Transhumanism is what many of the people at Davos, at the World Economic Forum, are involved in, and especially Elon Musk. 
I saw an interview of Elon Musk yesterday in which, very revealing, they asked, do you believe in God? He said, no, not as defined by in Christian terms. I believe in some kind of, of uh, universal consciousness, a universal consciousness, and I believe that human beings can continue to evolve into a much higher level. And I'm concerned about interplanetary development. And so he's planning this trip to Mars. And they, they also, I saw another interview where they were asking him questions about the trip to Mars. And one of the questions was, have you yet hired those who will design the interior of this spaceship. <laughs> he said, no, I'm first of all worried about how to get there and how to get back. But I'm sure it will be a very nice interior when we get around to it. I mean, these things are available on YouTube. All you have to have is your phone or a computer or you can you can do it on television as well with uh, Roku and YouTube. Julian Huxley popularized the term transhumanism in 1957. I mean, he popularized it, made it known to the public, as it were, although Pierre Tillyhard D. Chaudin had used the term earlier. Pierre Tillyhard de Chaudin was a Jesuit priest who was the darling of liberal theologians for a long, long time. So let's define transhumanism. The belief or theory that the human race can evolve beyond its current physical and mental limitations. And that's one of the things that Elon Musk really believes, especially by means of science and technology. Artificial intelligence is connected to transhumanism, being advertised as a key to superintelligence for everyone. Musk is an advocate of transhumanism and artificial intelligence stating that we must embrace it in order to stay relevant. I mean, there are people in laboratories and universities and other laboratories all over the world developing artificial intelligence. It's not going to be stopped. So you, what he's basically saying, you either get in step with it or be left behind. I would like to be left behind. I do not want a chip planted in my brain. In one of his experiments, Musk implanted a computer chip in a monkey's skull, apparently to see if the animal could play video games using his mind so that he could communicate with the chip and tell the the uh, computer which moved to make in the video game. All the monkeys eventually died 
for various reasons, and one was euthanized, put to death. However, none of the failed experiments have slowed down the development of artificial intelligence. There have been, on the other hand, what they would call several successes in the field of artificial intelligence. They have basically duplicated the human body. They're feverishly continuing their quest. Perhaps the most difficult challenge they have faced is that of reproducing human skin. Human skin is the largest organ in the body. And how do you make things feel lifelike? And basically they've been able to do that. And there are things that they have done that you cannot talk about in a sermon like this. So in the name of advancing the human race, the technocrats are determined to merge artificial intelligence with the human brain. And some of the things they're planning, as I've mentioned, cannot be talked about in a sermon. I've just sort of skimmed the surface of what is going on in the new revolution. God meant what he said when he stated in Genesis 11 that nothing will be restrained from them which they imagine to do. And in addition to that, Satan is the god of this present evil age. And Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. Satan is the god of this world. The peoples of the world are far beyond the Tower of Babel. The storage of knowledge in the great data banks of the world is astounding. I have in a drawer at home a little thumb drive about the size of my end of my thumb. This is a trite example, a crude example. But on that little thumb drive are most of the sermons that I gave up to, I don't know what year it was, scores of sermons. So this is a trite example compared to the storage capability of the cloud and the other data storage technologies. The ability to access this knowledge in many cases is just a click away. Daniel says knowledge should be increased, men should run to and fro. Just a click away. Far-reaching algorithms in which fed into the computer are various scenarios. And those scenarios are then compared with other scenarios. And finally, through the algorithms, they come down to here's the solution to your problem or here's the best course of action. <clears throat> Professional sports teams, especially Major League Baseball and NFL, are using metrics and making decisions. And so the play-by-play -play announcer or the, the uh, commentator will say, they're going against the analytics here. It's fourth and one on the goal line, and they're going to kick a field goal. 
The analytics would say you go for it because that's been fed into the computer and the various algorithms. And so many of the decisions, shall we have this left-handed pitcher face this right-handed batter? Oh, no, the analytics say we want a left-handed pitcher, pitcher, though his ERA is 5.0, that's very high, to face this left-handed batter because of analytics. Now I ask you the question, have you ever watched a video on how a chip is made? It is a mind-boggling process. How many humans could ever develop such a process? I just, you know, go to YouTube and, and look at how to make, how is a chip made? And see what you get. A news item yesterday stated that Russia was taking chips out of washing machines to power some of their armaments. They are out of chips. The number one chip maker in the world is Taiwan. China is maybe second. U.S. is way down the line. The thing about chips, they depend upon two rare minerals especially, lithium and cobalt. And lithium and cobalt are mined as sort of like coal is mined. And one of the main countries, the main countries that produce it are in Africa. Ukraine has a lot of lithium. And the U.S. has a good bit, but it hasn't been tapped. But even if you even if you make the chip and you do the and you make the battery, it's absolutely essential to making the batteries for electric cars and anything that has a battery. Then you have to supply the electricity to run this. And then you have to, when the battery dies, you have to dispose of the battery, which is almost impossible to do. The uh, dumps of the world are full already with the garbage. The Pacific Ocean has one place where the, the floating out there on top of the water is an area mainly of plastic that is as large as the state of Rhode Island. So chips in one way or another virtually run all of the electrical devices on the planet. From your refrigerator to the largest ships, chips play a vital role in them operating. Artificial intelligence can be used to write essays or reproduce beautiful art. Their experts are having difficulty. Is this an original or is this produced by artificial intelligence? Satellites now gird the skies, overcoming the curvature of the Earth. Elon Musk's Starlink satellite internet system has allowed the Ukrainian army to communicate with their forces. And his internet has made it possible 
for Ukraine to do things that they otherwise could not have done if it had not been for his Starlink Internet. They have examined um, some of the drones that Ukraine has fired off and went down, and they have this little Starlink satellite on them. So they're, they're able to guide some of their weapons through that means. So is the world passing you by? I've always been interested in world affairs and trying to discern the times and have tried to keep the brethren apprised. My interest was peak when I was in the seventh grade, seventh grade history. And we were assigned the task of bringing headline news articles to class on Friday, and we would have a discussion on these headlines. But in the last three years, I've discovered that I have fallen behind, and I'm trying to catch up. I know that we do not have the technological background to completely understand what is going on in artificial intelligence, transhumanism, and the other isms and movements that are out there. But we may need to be aware of what is happening as best we can and not just discount it, because it is critical to the survival of the human race. Everybody whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life will worship the beast. They will be deceived. And more important in many ways than the technological revolution is a moral revolution that denies God and the moral code of Scripture. Some believe that the earth will be attacked by an alien force. So another important thing is to be aware of the continuing talk about space exploration. Oh, space exploration. Billions upon billions of dollars are being poured into it. NASA and its various components are steadily exploring the universe, as it were, trying to find is there life out there. And they're desperately looking for it. People are surprised to learn that the Vatican owns the most powerful telescope in the world. It's located on Mount Graham, the International Observatory in Arizona, southeastern Arizona, where Vatican astronomers observe deep space. Attached to the telescope is an infrared camera oddly called Lucifer. Now, Lucifer, a lot of people had the reaction you did. It's an anachronism for large binocular telescope, near-infrared, spectronic utility with camera, and integral field unit for extra-galactic research. And so Lucifer is an anachronism for that. So there was such a furor raised about it by opponents of the Vatican that in 
2012, they changed the name from Lucifer to Lucy, L-U-C-I. Pope Francis said he would baptize aliens, and some speak of belief by some, and this is part of Catholic dogma, dogma in some areas, that a savior is going to come from outer space. And God spends a lot of time telling us what it will be like when Christ returns. If you would turn to Revelation 1, verse 7. In Revelation 1, 7, Behold, he comes with clouds. Of course, there's a song. Behold, he comes riding on a horse, riding on a cloud. Behold, he comes with clouds. Every eye shall see him. They also which pierced him. Of course, the Jews gave Christ over to the Romans who pierced him when he was on the stake. And all kindred of the earth shall wail because of him. Some writers contend that plans have been made to duplicate the return of Christ through the use of holograms. And this has been uh, postulated for 20 or 30 years. We know for sure that Christ's return, when he returns, the nations will be gathered together by Satan, the beast, and the false prophet. So that wicked spiritual element will still be in league. So go to Revelation 16 and verse 12. And you'll see that these three, some call this the unholy trinity. There's not a holy trinity. God is not a trinity, as you know. In Revelation 16, 12, the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, or the Tigris Euphrates, their, their borders in uh, Iraq, Iran. And the water thereof was dried up, the way of the kings of the east, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw unclean spirits. You think Satan's not involved in what's going on? You think that mere mortals can do all of the things that are being done? No way. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, Satan, and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Unclean spirits come out of all three. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Some have speculated that the world is now convinced that there will be an invasion from outer space 
and we got to be ready for it. Yeah, there will be an invasion. It will be God and Christ. It will be Christ returning on the great white horse and the angels and the saints with him as described in Revelation 19. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garments lest he walk naked. Nakedness is a symbol of sin and they see his shame. The Apostle Paul emphatically states that the great warfare is not with flesh and blood, but it is against wicked spirits in high places. Look at Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, verse 10, we'll begin. Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians 6.11 Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil has been cast down with great fury. He goes out to destroy the woman. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. And Paul proceeds to describe the whole armor. The word of God shows us that war is being waged in high places between the fallen angels of Satan and the angels loyal to God. Look at Revelation 12. It goes way back to the time that Satan drew a third part of the stars, which stars can represent fallen angels or faithful, loyal angels. In Revelation 12, verse 1, there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon and under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. So this is Israel in the flesh. And being with child, cried, travailing in birth, pain to be delivered. It is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, the, the angels that were deceived and went with him, and did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her as soon as it was born. And of course he tried to kill Jesus Christ but did not succeed. Now we go to Daniel chapter 9. See, Satan is organized. Satan is not just out there helter-skelter. Satan has a prince over the nations.
In Daniel 9, Daniel, in the first part of the chapter, sought to understand Jeremiah's 70-year prophecy, which became the 70-week prophecy. In Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 23, Daniel 9, 23, at the beginning of your supplications, the commandment came forth, I am come to show you, to show you that you are greatly beloved, therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. The one who came, verse 21, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man, which is really the angel Gabriel, the messenger angel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation and said that I'm come to show you what will come to pass. So this one tells Daniel that he was delayed because of an evil spirit. Then in chapter 10, beginning in verse 15, first 14 verses, Daniel has the vision of this person, this being, and when he had spoken words unto me, I set my face toward the ground, I became dumb. He was so, he was speechless, he couldn't say anything. And behold, one like the Son of Man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and said unto him, O my Lord, by the vision my sorrows are turned upon me, I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of this my Lord talk with my Lord as for me straightway there remain no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. So evidently Daniel is being confronted by the one who became Jesus Christ. There came again and touched me one like the appearance of man, and he strengthened me and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto you, strong, yes, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. For, he, for then he said, Know you wherefore I come unto you? And now I will return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. So you had the prince of Persia, the demon power, the prince of Grecia, the demon power that energized Alexander the Great. Now in Daniel 12, Daniel 12, verse 1. And at the time, and at that time, shall Michael stand up, the great prince. See, here's the good prince, which stands for the children of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone that should be found written in the book. And so at that point, 
Michael comes and delivers the people and the resurrection eventually takes place. All of this should make us acutely aware that the ultimate warfare is spiritual. We cannot defeat it through any physical means. We must be equipped with the whole armor of God. We must discern the times that we're living in, not bury our heads in the sand and say, and let that day come upon us unaware. The goal is to keep our lamps filled with oil. The key is to watch and pray and not to assume anything and be guilty of the great sin. All of the various so-called liberation and equality programs will be replaced by God's way of life in the millennium. Yes, true freedom and liberation are coming to the peoples of the world. You have been liberated and have nothing to fear. Although the going may be tough, we can make it. If God be for you, who can be against you?